Well, it is uh, always, um, you know, I think there's always a level of anticipation as you uh, enter a new year. And, um, you know, thinking back on the last couple, they certainly have been um, interesting. You know, this is our first uh, New Year's in uh, two years that we have not um, begun. Like last year, this time, we were still uh, sporting those um, uh, stylish blue masks and, um, you know, uh, still kind of wondering when everything was going to kind of calm down. Um, I think it was this week last year that my family had uh, COVID for the very first time. And so we were all kind of holed up. and, And so here we are. Um, and um, we uh, are beginning another new year and just came off the first week. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to catch my breath a bit, you know, that first week back with kids in school and kind of hitting the ground running with uh, projects and ideas and things for, uh, for the new year. I know many of you uh, probably are feeling uh, the same way. And as we enter this year, uh, together as a church, we have been um, engaged in um, some conversations and and prayer regarding um, a partnership with another church uh, down the street, and um, and and that has been um, just kind of a bit of a. Uh, a journey, an adventure uh, with that um, to kind of catch you up. If you're not aware, we've been in conversation with a uh, church in Verona called West Madison uh, Bible Church for uh, the better part of, um, well, actually over a year, but we've really been kind of ramping up the conversation over the last few months and then kind of I've been sharing with our congregation over the last five weeks and um, and they've been kind of uh, doing the same thing and um, it just has kind of taken some twists and turns and gone a lot differently than we would have ever um, expected. And uh, we've communicated uh, through email, but in case you haven't heard, um, it's just um, it's just looked a lot different than I think we uh, thought. Kind of going into it, um, we have uh, poured um, countless hours and um, time into uh, working on a plan and 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 going after something that we thought. Um, that uh, both churches were really uh, united in, and, um, and, and that was to, to merge together and to join together and to uh, partner um, for the good of uh, the community around us, for um, the betterment of both churches, and um, it was aligned uh, so closely with our mission. We saw so much potential for what God uh, could be and wanted to do there, and it was after uh, kind of releasing that plan that um, some of the uh, kind of various views only then began to be expressed and had those some of those views, especially on the leadership team, been expressed before, we would have pressed pause and we would have kind of kept reworking and kind of doing some things. And so I, I know I share with you, and, and if I could just be vulnerable as a pastor for a moment, like we've all encountered things that were like, man, this was supposed to go a little bit differently, right? And, and we had the best of intentions, the best of hopes, like we, we did everything and then you get into it and you're just like, man, this isn't really what I expected. And um, to be honest, I stand here this morning and I have no idea um, what, uh, what, what they're going to decide or do. I really don't. I mean, they are taking a vote this morning and that could be something that passes. I don't expect that. I think it's going to be something that does not pass. And, um, and, and if that doesn't, obviously there's some other questions for us. If it does, that's even more questions for us. We got to, you know, continue to look into it and kind of, okay, so what does this mean? And, and let's make sure we're, we're in this. And so I just was, you know, I think my picture, if you would have asked me about five or six weeks ago, hey, what, is, what does this week look like in, in 2023? And I would have been like, man, Lord willing, we are making an exciting announcement as a church, and we're moving forward in this partnership. Um, there's a good chance that maybe it doesn't happen, and we just we see God's clarity, and we're so thankful for the way that he has moved and worked. And I'm sitting here at a spot where I'm just like, man, I, I don't, God, I know you're in this, and I know you're working but this has gone so differently than we could have ever hoped for. 
And in that, you know, I want to try and provide clarity for our church. Because um, the last thing that I want is, you know, we kind of entered this. Again, we would have pressed pause. We entered this in a great spot. Like our church is doing just fine. Like we're, um, we're, 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 we're seeing people growing. We're seeing people connecting and coming and, and ministry is happening and things are going. And so it's not like we're, we're sort of sitting around bored and like, you know, what we really need to do is we need to just, you know, find new things to keep us interested. It's not that. It's like we just felt from the Lord and saw him moving and just the opportunity and the need that was here. And so in these conversations, um, it's really caused me to think deeply about our church and just kind of ask the questions again, like why do we exist? Um, Our church began as a new church. We just celebrated this past fall five years. That's an incredible milestone in the life of a church. And in that time, I've really thought back a lot to our launch service at Memorial High School and such distinct memories from that whole chapter, but especially that day. And um, uh, on that day, I actually preached from Philippians uh, chapter one. And what we looked at together as a church was the marks of a great church. And um, I think it's okay to say this, but when we launched as a church, we really desired to be a great church. And I think it's, it's, that's an okay thing to say. Like, I don't think we were like, you know what, we're just gonna kind of start a, a, just a really mediocre, like okay, you know, sort of average church. Like we wanted to be a great church. And um, that, that's kind of the desire. I don't think any of us, you know, we want, none of us are like, you know, I hope my family is just sort of like, just okay. You know, my job is just like, it just kind of checks the box. It just, you know, barely makes it. Like, no, we, we, we want things to be great. And we were looking for that. And so what we did as we launched is we were looking to the models of churches in the New Testament for the direction that God was calling us to be. And I would say this, five years in, that has not changed. We're still aspiring to be the church that God would call us to be. And I believe that God wants churches to be great, like that, that, that he has a plan for them. And he, he desires it to be a dynamic community, a body of people, believers together, on mission, with purpose, interacting in a healthy way together, going after the things that he's called us to. I mean, those are things that all churches of Jesus Christ are called to. And so that has been one of the questions I've been looking at. God, what are you calling us to uh, right now. And so this, this passage actually was the passage I preached at West Madison back on December 11th. I've missed being with you guys in December. I just, you need to know that. Can I just say that? Like I, I seriously, I missed, I was like such a weird December for me because two of the weeks I was gone and then we were out last week for, so I just feel so disconnected. I was so excited to be here this morning and connected with you and, and, and worshiping in this place. And I've just, I was so ready to be back here. But on December 11th, I was there at West Madison we actually, I preached through this passage, and as I was getting ready for a kind of our church and starting this new year, you know, I just the Lord kind of pressed on my heart. It's like, man, our church, we need this message again too. Many of you weren't there on launch Sunday. Um, in fact, very few of you were. Many of you have come since that day, and so I have full confidence that those that were there don't remember, and um, those that, uh, you know, <laughs> that weren't there, this is new for you, okay? And so I, I think that this is, God has something here for us, because here, we don't always say it this way, but there are churches that are great, and there are some that are not so great. And so it should beg the question, like, what makes a church great? Is it the history, right? Is it the scope of ministry? Is it the status in the community? Is it the building? Is it the number of ministries or the quality of the ministries? Is it reflected in the people that make up the church, right? Is that what makes a church great? If a church has great people, then that's a great church. See, I think, I think for us, we're gonna see here that at the beginning of this letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, 
that he has some great insight into what makes a church great. This is a church that's it's worth pursuing, is what we're calling it this morning. It's worth pursuing. Because here's why. The church at Philippi, it was a great church. You know, Paul often in his letter has a lot of corrections, rebukes, uh, encouragements to make. This letter is a little unique because there's not any major rebuke that's given. Uh, he's affirming some of the things right off the start that define them as a church. He's writing from prison. Uh, most likely he's in Rome. It's in the late uh, 50s or uh, early 60s. And he's writing to this church that is in Philippi. And the purpose of this letter is to encourage the church and to thank them for the support of the ministry, the, the partnership in the ministry that they have had. And so usually, again, when Paul writes, there's like some major points of rebuke. We don't see that. This is, he's, that's why I would call them a great church, is he is just affirming some things right off, um, right off the bat in what is going on here. And I think this passage will serve as a helpful reminder for us as we begin this new year together. What are we endeavoring to end this church body? in this community of believers. And I wouldn't say for a second that we have already achieved this, that this is already where we're at. Um, we have a ways to go. But what I can say is that this has been things that we have been going after since the beginning. And these are things that we wanna continue to go after till whenever that time comes that, that this church uh, ceases to exist. My hope is that this will uh, be marks of our church uh, long after all of us are here. And more importantly, this is what God has set up for us and he's called us to be about. And so I believe this, that when the church is about the things that God has called the church to be about, then that makes it a great church. I think churches are called to be life-giving and they are vital uh, in our walk with our maker. Um, it is a joy and a blessing for us as we uh, strive to, to, to grow and to mature in our understanding and knowledge of Christ and our relationship with him. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. It's this church at Philippi, not a perfect church, but a great church and the type of church that we should want to become. And so what we're gonna see is five marks that they held, five marks that we wanna go after. And these are things that are worth pursuing here in this year ahead. So before we go any further, let's just ask that God would lead us as we study his word together. God, we thank you for your faithfulness, God, and your provision, God, your presence here uh, in our church and in our church body. God, we thank you for your uh, faithful working in our lives, um, God, in our homes, Lord, the way that you um, are near uh, to us. And so, Lord, we want to uh, be a church that is about what you are about. And so would you just remind us this morning, God, of that, those very things. As we open your word, God, we ask for your leading. We've just sang that. We've declared that um, in the words of the song. Lord, we invite you to speak now. And so, um, Spirit, teach us as we study your word uh, together. Um, and we do so. And we ask that in the name of, uh, powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, well, here are the marks that we see. Uh, let's begin right there at the beginning. Um, there's a greeting as uh, Paul usually starts in his letter. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, here is the first mark that we see, um, just even in the greeting and the way that Paul is opening his letter, it's this, it's a centrality of Jesus Christ in everything. Did you see it there, the language that Paul used and the way that he even greeted them? 
Uh, he referred to themselves, Paul, he's writing along, um, along with Timothy. He says, servants of Christ Jesus. Right, so he understands his posture, his position in relationship to Jesus Christ, and he's a servant of Jesus. And he's writing to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus. He knows that their position is one of uh, redeemed and in relationship, and so they find themselves in Christ Jesus. He's not just writing to the leaders. He's not just writing to the elders, the overseers, the deacons. He's writing to all, all the saints who are in Christ Jesus at Philippi along with those leaders, the overseers and deacons. And he greets them in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the place that we want to uh, first begin and understand. Paul understood that the very existence of the church and the very um, centrality of his ministry was centered on the person of Jesus Christ. And I think it's so easy for a church for our church to become about a whole bunch of things, right? It doesn't take uh, very long before uh, different, um, you know, activities and programs and, and commitments start to sort of build up. And those things can be like really great things. There can be a lot of fun had, there can be a lot of like good relationship and connection. But the question is, is at the center of all the activity or all the things that we're putting our hands to, is Jesus at the center of it? Jesus is the most central Focus at all times and all things of what is happening in the church. And so Paul, right from the start of his letter, he wanted to elevate Jesus at the center of it all. Uh, he says uh, he's the reason that they are serving in ministry, right? Paul and Timothy, we are servants of Christ Jesus. Uh, he is what makes the people of the church saints, we are born sinners. The only reason that he's greeting them as saints is because of the work that Jesus Christ has done in their lives. And so he's able to say to the saints in Christ Jesus, he is the source of the grace and peace that we need so desperately in our lives. He is, Jesus is the center of the church, or at least he should be. And so I think even for us, we need to look at that and, and question, do we, do we view ourselves in that same way? Would we put ourselves in the category of, of um, a servant of Christ Jesus? You know, that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a servant of Christ Jesus. We are called to, to work uh, for his glory, right? And, and, and for his name. And the things that he's called us to are to be those that are most important, the things that we structure our life and desires around. We recognize that that is not something that we do begrudgingly or out of obligation, but we do it in response to his saving work in our life, that we are, we can be called um, a friend of God, a brother or sister in the church as saints because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. And the grace and peace that we so desperately need, we find in Christ Jesus and notice as he says it, he says, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a kid, maybe you uh, thought this, I've shared this before, but I, I thought, you know, is Jesus Christ, is that like his last name? You know, so it's like Mr. Christ. Um, you know, is that, is that kind of the idea? No, it's, it's actually a title. Um, if you're falling in the same camp as me, um, uh, Christ means anointed one. It was like, it was Messiah. It was the, the one who was sent to save Israel and the world from sin. And so when he's saying Jesus Christ, he's saying his name, and then he's saying his title. He is Jesus. He is the one that is anointed to save the world from their sin. 
He was the son of God, born as a man. He lived perfectly according to the law. He died on a cross, rose from the grave. His death pays the penalty of our sin and his life has the power to redeem and make us new. The work is done. Jesus did it. So we confess and we believe and that is what saves is that work of Jesus Christ and our belief in that. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas, right? God came down to us, took on flesh, dwelt among us, and we remember and we, we uh, believe in the work that Jesus did to reconcile himself, uh, us to himself. So this is the place that it begins. And listen, church, if we miss this, if we uh, don't get this, then uh, there is not really anywhere else for us to go. Um, this is the church of Jesus Christ. And so um, let's uh, recognize that. And let's make our lives, uh, lives that are centered on the work of Jesus Christ. Would we make our homes uh, the place where, where Jesus is central? And as much as we can affect it, would our jobs and the, the way that we spend our time, even our hobbies and the things that we, our discretionary time, the things that we kind of give ourselves to, would, would Jesus be centered in all of that? Would he be at the very center? And this is the place that it starts. But he goes on from here. He says, um, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, the second thing that we see, the second mark that, uh, that Paul is affirming in the church at Philippi is this. It's a genuine partnership in the gospel. He is thankful for the church. He is thankful for the work that God is doing there. And uh, do you see the exuberance, right? He's like, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer for all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now. Like he is just kind of over the top expressing this and what a statement, right? He says, I'm always thankful in every prayer, all the time, always thankful for them. Why? What has led him to such this uh, deep place of thankfulness uh, for them? Well, it is because of their partnership in the gospel. They have linked arms, they have joined together, and they are working in this. And I think there's kind of two things that are at play in this. The word that Paul uses there for partnership is the word koinonia. And uh, many other places in scripture, this word is translated as fellowship. Uh, but here we have it, and I think it's a good translation for it. It's another nuance of the word, but this partnership so it's not just this kind of, we sometimes think of fellowship as a kind of a, you know, just a, a mutual camaraderie, a hanging out together, um, but this kind of gives it the nuance, rightly so, of purpose. And so this is a partnership, um, and it's a partnership in something. Rather than just kind of sharing commonality, it's a, it's a purpose with, with, a, with a destination. Uh, let me uh, kind of illustrate it uh, this way. Uh, I know some of you could care less, but many of us in this room are excited that the Packers still have a chance tonight, right? Like, we didn't think that was the case three or four weeks ago. We would have never predicted where we are today. But if you're like, if you're like, could care less about football, there's a game that's going to be played tonight that determines whether or not the season is over. And a few weeks ago, the season was over. Now it's not, okay? There's a shot, all right? And so I love, I haven't got to go to very many, but I have been to a handful. I love going to Lambeau Field. 
And some of you have been there. You know what it's like. The commentators talk about it all the time. They're like, there's no place like this, right? And they're like, just kind of go on. They kind of gush over Lambeau Field. And the reason is, is because as a lifelong Packer fan, I mean, I got to experience it. I mean, there is just this energy there in that freezing cold uh, you know, bowl of a place. Like you're just in there and you're packed in. You do not have nearly enough space. Everyone's kind of turned sideways. You're trying, you're fighting for your 18 inches. You're trying to like hold on to that. And it is electric and the excitement and participation and everyone, at least those um, that are there in the green and gold, are there for one thing, right? There's a united purpose around that stadium and they are there to cheer on the Packers. And tonight we're cheering against those Lions, okay? We want them to lose. That is kind of this united thing. And there's this feeling that the crowd is actually part of uh, the win, right? They'll even say, they'll be like, you know, number of plays that have been disrupted by the crowd. And it's like, yeah, maybe, okay? I don't totally buy all that. I mean, I know it's loud and they kind of, you know, gets in there sometimes. But here's the, the thing, is that it is different. It is far different, right? To be one of those guys that is down there on the field, like pads on, jersey on, in that bench, like they're, they're touching the ball, they're running around the field, they're, they're playing the game. Now, we are all kind of sharing this, this moment of commonality. They're observing it. But those guys that are down there on the field in the game, there is a level of participation that is far different than the fans, right? I mean, just even the beverage of choice, right, for the fans. is like It'll show you. There's a far level different of, of participation that is happening down there on that field. And what Paul is saying to the church here is he is saying, listen, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, you're not just on the sidelines. You're not just in the crowd cheering for the work that's happening. He's like, you suited up, right? You're on the game. You are putting your effort and your, your energy into this. You are with me. We are teammates in this thing. And Paul is affirming their partnership with him and with others. And this is the picture that we have, is that we, as part of the church, we're not just on the sidelines kind of cheering for a win. What we are doing is we are partnering in the gospel together. The way that the church did that was, we learned later in the letter, they sent him a financial gift. They sacrificially gave to support the work that was happening. And they were doing everything else that they could do to, to participate in the gospel ministry. They were, they were owning it right there in their own city, and they were trying to, to do everything that God had called them to as a church participating together. And that is the picture, is that it takes all the saints that are in Christ Jesus. Everyone has a part to play. Remember, this letter, we just read it just before, it wasn't written to just the leadership. It was written to all the saints Right? And he's saying, he's saying not just to the leaders, but he's saying to all of you. He's like, all of you are part of this. You're all participating with me. And I'm so thankful for you because of it. And he's affirming their partnership with him and their others. By the partnership, it served to help advance the gospel further and faster. And what was recognized is that they, were all, they all had that role to play. They were all in it together. And the picture that I used you know, so many years ago of this when we were walking through this uh, together as a church on that very first Sunday um, was this picture of, of helping my neighbor move. And I'll never forget this because it was kind of one of the strangest things I've ever done. I've done a lot of strange things in my life. But, but my neighbor across the street was moving up the street like a few houses and he had this trampoline that he really didn't want to take apart. 
And so what he said was, he got a few of us guys that, like, from the neighborhood. He said, hey, I don't want to take this trampoline apart. Rather than doing that, can we just all get around it and just walk it up the street? And so we're all like, sure. I mean, it's not a super busy street. Like, there are <laughs> enough cars that someone's for sure going to have to go around us. But yeah, let's, let's go for it. And, um, and, and, and I, I just have this distinct picture of like the four or five of us. We walked in his backyard, right? We picked this thing up and we started walking down the street with this trampoline. And it had to have been an odd sight for all the neighbors who didn't know what was going on, right? They just see four men carrying this trampoline like up the street. Like, like where, where's it coming from and where's it going? Like how far is it? <laughs> is it like where's, where's the destination? But, but it was, I remember um, we got into it and we got like sort of partway there and we were so thankful that he had asked for that many. In in fact, we were actually a little frustrated that he hadn't asked for more because what seemed like an easy task to kind of move that trampoline up the street uh, got to be quite difficult as we went along. It got heavier and heavier, and we're like, man, and, and with like four or five of us, like you kind of know who is uh, not doing their weight. Like it's like that side starts to kind of drag, you know, so we're like all yelling at each other and trying to, you know, get it. But it took all of us holding our portion and our part to move that thing down. I share that kind of silly picture to just say, like, this is the thing that Paul is affirming here. He's saying, listen, he's like, I'm so thankful for you. Every time I remember you, whenever I'm praying, I pray, make my prayer with joy because you are all a part of this, right? You're doing your part. You're holding your side up. You're doing exactly what God has called you to do. And in that same way that trampoline, it would have been lighter, quicker work if there would have been a dozen more, um, he recognizes that God has brought each of them for a purpose and that the more that are added to the team, the more that are there participating, the easier that it is. Church, many of you get this, you know this, but can I just say to all of us, if you have believed in the gospel work of Jesus, if you have been saved by him, then you are his servant and you are called to be personally committed to a partnership in the gospel. Like we are all playing a role. We're all invited to be on the team, not just in the crowds kind of cheering for others to do the work, right? We're all, all part of it. That's one of the reasons, if I could just kind of illustrate it with what's happening here with, with this church partnership that we were pursuing, we recognize that there, there is some increased ministry that would be kind of laid at us and that we would be taking on. But what we looked around and we saw within our church bodies, we're like, I think there's plenty of people to do the work. Like, it's not too much to take on. Like, when we started this church, we had, like, 45 people. And so now we're, we're at a spot that we have enough that we felt really good about being able to commit. But we knew that that meant that everyone was going to have to kind of maybe, like, you know, okay, let's lift it, let's go, let's go. You know, kind of all pitch in, all kind of pick up and go. And that's a really good thing for the church once in a while because it's easy to sort of settle in. You kind of, you know, let the, if I could just kind of milk this illustration a little further, right? You're kind of like, you let, let, let your side down a little bit, see if either the guys next to you start to notice, right? And you kind of take a little breather and you're kind of, you're going, right? Sometimes we do that. We're sort of, you know, we look around, it seems like everything's sort of going and it's okay. But what, 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 what Paul is encouraging in them is that they're all part of it. And so I wonder, have you done this? Right, have you taken this step? They stood with him through imprisonment. They supported him financially. They gave that gift in a time of need, and they were participating in the work of the church. And it's the work of people. It's not about achieving some program. It is about pouring into people. It's about caring for one another. It's about pointing people, one another, to Christ. That's the work. Let's just be clear about that. That's the work that we're called to do. 
So being a part of this together is how it is accomplished. And this is in every believer's job description, this participation in the gospel. He continues in verse six, and many of you uh, maybe have heard this or, or even memorized this verse. It's a great verse. It says this, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See, this is the third mark. It is a confidence in God's working. There's a confidence that God is doing the work. He says, I'm sure of this. That's confidence, right? He began it and he will finish it. When God works in someone's life, he is not just dipping his toes in the water, right? It's not a 15 minutes investment and then he's out of it. He is there for the long haul. He is faithfully there until the work is accomplished. If this verse is not underlined in your Bible, I encourage you, write in your Bible, underline this verse. I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And I think one of the things that maybe helps us understand this is that God is not like us in this area. See, we start things all the time that we don't finish. Right? All of us probably have, um, or those of you that uh, read on a regular basis, all of you probably have at least one book, if not a stack of books that you started but haven't finished. Right? So you're all making your list of what, what are the books I'm going to read this year, and you should probably look at those books that you like, needed to get those last couple chapters done. Right? We like to kind of move on. All of us have done this. We've, we've started to organize a closet, but then like those boxes that are heading to St. Vincent, uh, you know, sort of sit in the hallway for a while or whatever. You know, we don't quite finish it. I just saw a few looks from spouses kind of get shot. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on <laughs> toes there or call you out on that one. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, after a move, uh, there's always like that, like, you know, set of boxes that don't get unpacked until the next move. And you're like, wait, we never unpacked this? Like, why do we have this? And then inevitably it gets moved and then you do the thing all over again. And then, you know, we get back from a trip and you, you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna live out a suitcase for a few more days, right? And we just wait for a while to unpack. We let dishes uh, sit overnight. Um, you know, we all have said that, oh, I'm just gonna let it soak, right? Give it a little more time um, with that. You're not letting it soak. You just don't wanna do it right now. You'll do it in the morning. And here's the thing that's so encouraging. God doesn't do that. He doesn't ever start a project and then leave it unfinished and walk away from it. If he begins the work, then he has the whole plan in mind before he begins. And he always completes what he does. And I think there's two major areas that we have to understand this in. The first is very personal. So you have to understand this on a personal level in your own life. This is, this is what is being kind of communicated here is the doctrine of eternal security. I believe scripture teaches this um, so clearly that there is eternal security for those who are in Christ Jesus. When God has transformed a life, there is no going back from that, right? When he has brought the dead to life, they cannot become dead again. And so God never loses anyone that he redeems. And this is different than the doctrine of uh, assurance of salvation, uh, assurance of salvation is, um, so security would say God keeps his own. Assurance says I am one of his own. See, sometimes it looks like someone might be one of his own and then they, they walk away and you're like, man, were they ever actually his? If you're actually his, he cannot, will not lose you. And so some of you, this is the truth that you need to really hear this morning. 
is that you don't have a hard time believing that God will work out his plans. The problem is, is that we have a plan that God doesn't, that, uh, doesn't always match, that God's plan doesn't always match ours. And so he is still at work. He is doing this thing in you. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Personally, in your life, he will continue to mature you, to develop you, to grow you, to sanctify you until the day that you are with him for eternity in his presence. This is the security that we find in Christ Jesus. I think that's one of the, one of the ways that we need to understand that. I think the second way is we can understand that, I think, corporately, together as a church. So you can apply it to your own personal life and walk with Jesus. But secondly, we need to understand that together as a church. I believe that this can also be applied to the work that he has begun here at City on a Hill, that he begins when a new church is started, that that is something that is happening. It's the work of the church, not just like the local church, but the church of Jesus Christ that he will finish the work that he began in the church and he will accomplish exactly what he sets out to do. And I, without a doubt, believe that God started the work of this church and that we can have confidence that he is going to finish that work. His plan for the church may not always look like our plans, but we can make no mistake that he will finish what he has started here. And listen, church, just to be clear, that has given me so much confidence with all these things that have been happening as we've been in conversation with West Madison. I've been disappointed in the way that it's gone, right? I had, if you would have asked me to like kind of put odds on, I don't know that that's a very pastoral thing to do, but if you're like, hey, can you just put odds on like, what does this go through or not? I would have at various moments said like anywhere from 50-50 to like 60-40 or something like that. Like it was never like a sure thing. Like this is going to happen for sure. But I thought, if God is going to lead in it, it certainly can. And if it doesn't, my hope is that it's going to happen in such a way that our church, their church, is really served by it, and it's a really healthy, fruitful conversation. The thing that disappoints is not the fact that it doesn't look promising at this current moment. The thing that's disappointing is just the way that the conversation has unfolded. It hasn't been super clear. It hasn't been super gracious at times between not, not so much in our church, okay? Uh, just, just the way that things have kind of gone down. It's just, it hasn't been. And so I'm like, God, I don't know that you're the one who's leading in that because that's not representative of that. And so that part's been a little bit disappointing. And so what we're looking for, what we're hoping for, is that even in all of that, that God is still going to work. And we know he will. I know that he's going to use this both in our church and in theirs. I don't even, I wouldn't even say that this is like, you know, over. We're going to continue to be in conversation. We'll see if God maybe has a different way or a different timeline. I think what we've pretty much settled on is like, it's not going to happen exactly in the way that we thought, but hey, you know, we're confident of this, that God's going to do something. And if it's, if it is in partnership, great. If not, then he's got other things that he's calling us to and preparing us for. But there's never been a moment in this past year where we have not bathed this thing in prayer asked for God's leading and, and purpose in it so that we would be able to uh, not step anywhere where he is not leading first. Doesn't mean we always get it right, but it certainly means that we're trying and we want to. Paul continues, verse seven. He kind of gushes here over the church a bit. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. 
For you all, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. This is the fourth mark that we want to go after. It's this, it's a growing love for each other. We want to have a growing love for one another. And he feels, Paul is expressing the strong affection for the church there in Philippi, right? They have stood with him through this imprisonment. They have supported him uh, in the ministry. And he is kind of, he's like, you know, you sort of get this sense. He's like, it's right for me to feel this way. Like, I love you guys. And it is so right for me to feel this way because um, uh, there's just this tenderness that he has for uh, the church, but specifically this church. And I get it. Like, as you labor together, there is this, this, this tenderness that, that, that grows and the concern for one another. I mean, if you labor in ministry for any length of time, you start to feel this camaraderie together. There is something so special about it. And so what he's saying here is he yearns in his heart for them. There is love. He says, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It's not just this like kind of human's form of love. It's, it's this, this godly love that he has for them. He yearns for them with the love of Christ Jesus beyond mere human love. It's a love that's motivated and modeled by the love that Jesus Christ has shown. And the, 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 the love that Christ has shown is different than the love that we often show each other. Uh, so many times, right, this is kind of compared to the difference between man's love and God's love, right? So many times, uh, man's love looks like this. Uh, here's, a, here's a quick list. It's, it can be self-centered. Uh, it can uh, have a short lifespan to it. Right? It's kind of temporary, comes, goes, um, kind of based on the moment, and it's very limited in scope. Right? We, we, we tend to like love parts of each other, um, but we don't always kind of take all of it together. So this is oftentimes man loves. God's love is not like that. Right? It's, it's sacrificial. He's not seeking any personal gain, uh, so to speak, out of it. In fact, he is, out of the abundance of who he is, he is sacrificing for those whom he loves. It's, it doesn't have an expiration date. It's not just kind of temporary and has some timeline. It is never-ending, and it is all-encompassing. He loves in a way that, that, that he takes the entire person, and he is about changing and growing the parts of us that, 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 that need the work, right? But he is uh, taking us where we're at, and, it, and his love looks so different. And so what Paul is saying here is like, he says, my, for God is my witness. Like you can ask God about this. <laughs> He'll tell you, I yearn with you with the affection of Christ Jesus. In the same way that God loves, I have that welling love for you. And his expectation or prayer is that they would feel that same love for one another. Do you see it there? Beginning of verse nine, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And so he says, yeah, I see this love, but I want you, I want it to grow. I want there to be even more. And listen, church, I would say that that is God's expectation for us too, is that our entire church would grow in its unity. Later in the letter, Paul even specifically calls out for two women to stop fighting and to agree. It's this picture that there's more love there tomorrow than there is today. And so straight from the text, I think there are ways that we as a church can seek to love each other even better than we already are. I know that there's love that exists, but our prayer is that love would abound more and more. 
And so why don't we do this? Like right from the passage, uh, we can see kind of four examples of the way that Paul is loving the church. And so um, let's think about it first in the uh, wrong way to love others as, as things to avoid, and then we'll kind of take the positive version as things to go after. Here's four wrong ways to think about one another. Uh, the first is this, to take people for granted, right? which he isn't doing. He's, he's acknowledging them. Uh, it would be wrong to avoid opportunities to tell others that you care. It is wrong to never pray for the needs of others. And it would be wrong to settle for where people are at. But straight from the text, the example that Paul is giving us right here in this letter is four right ways to think about others. Did you get those? Some of you are frantically writing. I don't want to move too quick. But here's, let me give you the right ones. These are more important anyways. Here's the right ways. It's this, appreciate others in the church. That's what Paul is doing right here. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He is appreciating them and what they have done, who they are, the way that he sees God working in them. He's thankful for that. Number two, we need to take the opportunity to tell others that you care. He's like saying it to them. He's like, it's right for me to feel this way. Even though it's kind of awkward, I am so, I love you, right? I care for you. My heart is for you. And he's telling them that. Number three, pray for the needs of others. I hope that we all have a list that we're praying for. And I hope on that list is not just people that live in your house or people that are, are related to you by blood. I hope there's some names on that list of people that are brothers and sisters in the church, right? In Christ, that there's some names, some people that you are praying for regularly for the needs here. He says, it's, he's, he is modeling this, right? He is praying. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. This whole thing is a prayer. He's praying for it, modeling it for it. And number four, it's this, lovingly help others to grow. He's helping to encourage them in their growth of their love and seeing that happen. And how many times, right, do we uh, fail in some of these or, or not do these with, with each other? But these are so simple. All of us are, are able to, um, to do these things um, in, in some fashion, right, with one another. And the church is, is to look a little different than our, inter, our interactions, right, with other, other organizations or, 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 or places, Right? It's so easy. Uh, some of us, we, um, you know, we have a place that we love to shop, right? And there's some people there and, 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 and you know, that we maybe kind of recognize or familiar. We have the aisles and we sort of know. And, and then you know, maybe one day you walk in, they do a little remodel, rechange. And you're like, man, I don't like this layout anymore. I'm out of here, right? I'm going. <laughs> you know what? You can do that in the way that you shop. You are not bound and tied to that at all, right? You don't have to write a letter. You don't have to share anything with them. You don't have to sit down and have a conversation. Do any of that. You can totally switch the place you shop. The church is not the place you shop. Like we are engaged in relationships with one another. We are, we are here for each other. And not to say that you're here for, for life, but you're here for at least a length of time, right? And we wanna, we wanna endeavor with one another and pour into each other. We are committed here for one another. We are doing this together. The church should be the place where you have the most significant and life-giving relationships that you could ever find. My hope, my prayer for our church is that we would get to do this together with each other for many years. 
This was the exact words that I spoke five years ago. And I've seen that come to fruition. I've seen that happen, right? I've seen people endeavor together to be in this place. And longevity in relationships doesn't, happen, doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality. It takes forgiveness. It takes an intentional care. There's an effort about the people that we are in this church together with. And my fear is that we would forget this and then we would begin to take each other for granted and we would forget to express this in the way that we're called to. And fifth, Paul finishes this prayer with this. He says, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. You see, Paul has a desire that they would grow in their knowledge and discernment, that they would make better decisions, but what are these all leading to? That God would receive more glory, right? He is going after a commitment to God's glory. That is the mark that we see here. The end goal for all of this is for the glory and praise of God. The mission of the church is so clearly spelled out for us in scripture. We are called to glorify God and we do that by making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the thing that can stand above any other concern. And so, you know what? We can look back on our season and our time in different places, right? We have memories of different um, positions. I've talked many times about my time that I spent. It was just one summer, but it has like such a uh, vivid memories, right? I spent the summer out in Jackson, Wyoming, got to do all sorts of cool things. I look back on that, and my mountaintop experience was literally on a mountaintop because I climbed the Grand Teton, right? And I have all these other fun things I did. I got to like fly in a plane and, and, and go to the, some cool like events and different things and experience some good food and different things. But like, I look back and I'm like, man, when I got to climb that mountain, that was the highlight. That was like the best part of that entire summer. What is the best part when we look back on these years that we've shared together? What is the thing that we are going to remember and point to and say, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of things that we did, but that was it. The thing that I pray and hope for our church is this, that we would look back and we would say, but you know what? We were about and for and working toward God's glory in all things. That was the thing that stood at the center of it all. That was the thing that we were pursuing after more than anything else. It was for him and for his glory. And so, listen, church, that is always going to be the question we are going to ask. What is the thing that we can do that is going to bring God the most glory? And if you do that in your own home, right, if you center your family on the thing that will bring God the most glory, I promise you it will. Other things will fall in place. Right? Your home will be aligned in a way that it won't be anywhere else than if you center it on the glory of God. Your life, right, the things that we encounter and concern, like it will be directed if we can center our lives on the glory of God in our personal life and walk with God. Your transformed life is meant to be a visible demonstration to the world that God is at work in the lives of believers. We are called to be a body together. We are called to be in this place together as the church. My prayer, my hope is that we would look back and see the glory of God above all things. And so let's ask that question, right? What is it that would bring God the most glory right now? <laughs> and then let's do that thing, right? Right? Let's do that thing. What, is, what, what can we do as a church that would bring God the most glory? And let's do that. That's what we're always asking. We don't always get it right, right? It's not always super clear. It's definitely not always easy. 
But that is the thing that we are trying to ask. And so again, as we go from here, I don't know. We'll continue to keep uh, informed and updated and, 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 and you know, we're kind of sorting through this. And we'll continue to just be in prayer about this. But know this, together as a church, these are the things that we are going after. A centrality of Jesus Christ, a partnership together in the gospel, a confidence that God is the one who is working, a growing love for each other, and above all things, a commitment to his glory, that he would receive the glory in these things. And if a church, if we are truly able to do these things, then there wouldn't be anything else like it, right? You can't find this type of community other places. You can't find this type of thing anywhere else. We're not there yet, but by God's grace, this is where we are going to continue to head as a church, and this would be the target that we are constantly aiming after to the praise and to the name, to the fame of Jesus Christ and his glory. Let's pray. God, I thank you for inviting us into, uh, God, this story and, Lord, the history and the um, place that you have brought us from as a church, God, the places that you are taking us to. God, in many ways, it would be, um, it would be so easy, Lord, to uh, just kind of uh, to get focused on, on just all that you have here and Lord, the, um, the things that you have entrusted us to right now, uh, Lord, without um, God taking, keeping into mind, Lord, what, what else you might be uh, leading us toward. And so God, I, I want to, as I have been for, um, since this church began, and as I know that as a church body, we have been asking over these last several weeks, God, we want to, you to lead. God, we want you to direct us we want to be the church that you've called us to be. God, we need each other. Many in this room today are, are, are sad. God, many in this room today are rejoicing. God, many in this room today are unsure of what the next step is. God, many can't wait for this week to get started. We are coming here together from different places, but God, we need each other. And so would you just remind us afresh of that today? God, we are so um, just thankful for all the ways that you have and are working. Lord, would you be exalted in your church? God, would you receive all the glory? Lord, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.